This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to Power of the Parsha. I thank you all for coming out. I also especially thank those who have their cameras on. Make it all feel like we're talking to a bunch of people. If you don't, don't worry, it's okay too. But thank you for coming out and being part of this class. We are now amazingly a year and a half into COVID or more even. I, I, don't even, I can't even keep track of time, but you guys have been rock steady on Thursday afternoons coming out. So I really thank you all so much. Come, bring your friends. It's amazing. We hang out on Thursdays at noon. That is number one. Number two, I want to thank the amazing staff over at Yeshiva Beth Yehuda and Partners Detroit for bringing me on board and for allowing me and giving me the space and the platform to teach as Uncle Maishi used to have the mitzvah men. When I was a kid, I used to listen to Uncle Maishi tapes. And the role of the mitzvah men, there was Uncle Maishi and the mitzvah men. They were there to teach Jewish boys and girls all about Torah and mitzvah. So I'm very appreciative to Partners Detroit and Yeshiva Beth Yehuda for bringing me on board and giving me this platform to be able to teach Jewish boys and girls all about Torah and mitzvahs. And I want to thank the amazing folk over at Torah Anytime. It's an app, it's a website, and it's filled with amazing content. And God willing, uh, you should be able to catch any of my classes on there. Or, and it's also now available on Spotify, which, by the way, just overtook Apple Podcasts as the number one podcast platform. Little known fact about Spotify. Spotify now is the number one podcast platform. Can you find this class on Spotify? Yes, you can. What would it be called? Burnham on the Parsha. But guess what? We'll still be able to be found on Apple Podcasts and Google, Pod- Google Podcasts and Android Podcasts and Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts. Just look up Burnham on the Parsha. Okay, now... Let us get right into it. Today we're going to talk about something really interesting, and that is mazel, okay? We all know that as Jews we say mazel tov, which we generally translate as good luck. But we also know that Jews don't believe in luck. Or do we? Or don't we? What is the deal with mazel? How does it control my life? And how does it not? Let's launch into it. Now, of course, the way we're going to get into it is from this week's Torah portion. Because in this week's Torah portion, we have a statement that says the following, Avraham zakain baba yamim. This is right after Avram was finished, you know, burying his, uh, his wife. At the beginning of the parsha, the whole story about Avram trying to get the proper burial place to bury his wife, Sarah. And afterwards, it says, And Avram was an elderly man, Ba-Bayamim, coming in his days, Va-Hashem Beirach es Avraham Bakol, and Hashem blessed Avram Bakol with everything. Okay? Now, what does it mean, Ba-Bayamim, coming with his days? I mean, his days were full. Every day he put value, he, he invested value into every one of his days. He didn't kill time. Today we have a phrase, I just need to kill time for two hours. What an insane, insane thing. It's like, my name is Laby. All I have in this world is time. How many days do I have? I don't know, probably somewhere around, I hope, around thirty-five to 38,000 days in this world, right? That's what I'm hoping for, right? So I've got 38,000 days in this world. Let's do a little bit of math over here. Let's assume that I live to 120, because God willing, a lot of people gave me blessings that I should live to 120. 120 years times 365 days is 43,800. Times 24 hours equals 1,051,000 hours. I got a million hours in my life, if I'm really lucky, if I live to 120. Mind you, if I only live to 80, which would still be pretty impressive, right, then I would only have uh, 693,000 hours, of which case I'll be sleeping, I don't know, probably a little bit less than a third of that. So it's now times that by, let's call it, 0.7. So I have waking hours, 485,605 hours. So, sorry, 654. I've got in my life roughly 485 hours, 485,000 hours. Now, many of them, I was a young kid. I was young and dumb and not doing anything right, probably, or not doing anything wrong also when I was really young because I was just a kid. I wasn't responsible for myself. Then I became bar mitzvah. And at the age of bar mitzvah, I became responsible for doing mitzvahs. But we all know the sages tell us that your real responsibility kicks in at the age of 20. Also, by the way, related to this week's Parsha, because this week's Parsha says that Sarah was 127 years old. And we say when she was 100, she was innocent like she was 20. When she was 20, she was beautiful like she was 7. Right? Now, we said she was innocent like she was 20. Why do we say you would want, you'd think a 7-year-old is really innocent? Right? If it's, right? It says like this. In this week's Parsha, the beginning, it says Sarah was 120 and 7 years old. And the rabbis teach us that when she was 100, 
She was innocent like she was 20. And when she was 20, she was innocent like she was 7. Now, if you look at our world today, if you could tell me that somebody at the age of 20 is, is as innocent as they were 7, that's a big deal, right? In today's day world, if you could say this girl, when she was 20 years old, she was still as innocent as she was when she was 7, that's a big deal. But that's not what it says. It says that when she was 20, sorry, when she was 100, she was as innocent as she was when she was 20. What's the meaning of that? So the Gemara tells us like this, there are two ages when a person becomes responsible for what they do. There's the age of bar and bas mitzvah, 13 and 12, and there's the age of 20. In this world, you are responsible for what you do at the age of 13. If you, God forbid, kill somebody, they can put you in court and try you with capital punishment and kill you. Right? However, in Shemayim, in heaven, they only start judging you at the age of 20. Because for this world, I mean, by the time a person turns 13, they're starting to physically... Uh, they're, they're, they're starting to physically be mature and strong and powerful. And if you have a world where an 18-year-old is excused for all of his behavior, this world can become a very violent place very, very quick, right? So that's why in this world, as soon as you turn 13, as your, as your body physically starts to mature, you become responsible in this world. But in heaven, they recognize that it takes a little while to sort yourself out. So they give you this incredible grace period in Shemayim until about the age of 20, no, until, until the age of 20, to work it out, which is fascinating, because really, it means that Hashem understands the challenges of teenagehood, which is very, very gratifying for any teenager to hear. Hashem is with you. He got it. He knows you're going through a tough time, and there's a certain level of grace being given to you. Now, so, therefore, when, you, when Sarah was 100 years old, she was as innocent at 20, that makes a lot of sense, because the age of 20 is when she was perfectly innocent. Okay, so that is step number one. But then step number two is that it says that when she was, uh, it says that when she was, okay, sorry, yep, there we go. So again, from this week's Parsha, we learn at the age of 20 is when you start being judged. We're going back to how many hours I have in my life, okay? If I live 80 years. So I have 485,654 waking hours. However, let's minus off the first 20 years, which I'm not responsible for. So at the end of the day, listen to this, at the end of the day, how many hours do I have of my own personal responsibility, from the age of 20 to the age of 80. Again, God willing, I should live to 120. But if I end up living an average lifespan here in America, which is actually going down now, because not just because of COVID, although because of COVID too, but also because of, unfortunately, our habits and our, 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 our lifestyle choices. Anyway, so if I live to 80, God willing, again, I should live to 120, I would have 364,240 hours that I'm responsible for in this world. And I'm going to kill time. It's going to kill a couple hours. That's killing Laby. Laby's got so few hours as it goes. I only have 360,000 hours. I can't kill time. Avram was bayamim. Avram came with his days. Every single day had incredible, powerful value. Avram impregnated every one of his days filled with meaning and purpose. So when he was 175 years old, now he lived a lot longer than I will, right? He was 175 years. He was bayamim. He was coming in days. Okay, so he invested value in all of his days. But then it says the next thing. Hashem beirach es Avram bakal, and Hashem blessed Avraham bakal with everything. What does bakal mean? What does, what does everything mean? Did Avram have a Maserati? Some people say a Maserati is not included in everything. But definitely he had an Apple Watch. <laughs> so so what, exactly, what exactly is this bakal? What was the everything that Avram had? Okay, so Rashi says the following. Uh, Rashi says, Bakol Ola Begematria Ben, that the word Bakol is the same numerical equivalence of as a son. Hashem gave Avram a son, from that he needed to be able to create a legacy, he needed to be able to create a lineage. He's getting to the end of his, of end of his life. At the end of our lives, the most important thing we start thinking about is what is my legacy? What am I leaving behind? So Avram is now getting old. He's got a son. He's got to marry her off. So this is the introduction to the story of him marrying off his son. However, the Ibn Ezra says the following. The Ibn Ezra is one of the early commentators. And then Ibn Ezra says, Berach as Avram bakol. Hashem blessed Avram with everything. Be'orach yamim, with a long life. Ve'osher, and wealth. Ve'kavod ubanim, and honor and children. So again, long life, wealth, honor, children. This is what everybody wants. 
Okay? So that is what it says. Now, that brings us to a very interesting conundrum into which we're going to launch our discussion of Mazel. There is a statement in Chazal, in the sages. The sages tell us the following, and the idea I'm going to share with you is from the Akedas Yitzchak, okay? The Akedas Yitzchak was one of the latest of the early commentators. His real name was Rabbi Yitzchak ben Moshe Arama. He was a Spanish rav and a mechaber, and he, he wrote Sefer's Svarim. He was at first the uh, Rosh Hashiva and the Yeshiva in Zamora, which is likely his birthplace in Spain. And then eventually he moved to Tarragona. And then later he was in Aragon. He was in a lot of different yeshivas, but eventually he was expelled with the Jews from Spain in 1492. He settled in Naples. Naples, which is in Italy. And then he died, unfortunately, at the age of 1994. Uh, sorry, <laughs> in, in 1494, he died two years later, at the tender young age of 74. Which, again, for those days, was a pretty long life. Okay, now, the ideas I'm about to share with you are ideas that we're going to talk about how Mazel works and Mazel does not work. Now, there is a statement in the sages say. It says, Bane chaye umezone, children, life, and mezone, and sustenance, and, par- and parnasa, and wealth, It's a, oh, what's the text about? Uh-oh, I just lost my spot here. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Here we go. Okay. It is in the, in the Gemara and Moed Katan. In the, the, the Talmudic, uh, the Babylonian Talmud, Tractate Moed Katan, page 28a, Chavches Amud Aleph. Amar Rava, Bane Chaye Emazone, children, life, length, life, length of life, Emazone, and your wealth. Lobus Chusa Talia Milsa. It does not go by your Zuchusim, Ella Bimazala Talia Milsa. It goes according to your Mazel. Okay? So that is statement number one that we want to introduce. And we're introducing it by way of a question. Because here it seems like Avram is being blessed by Hashem at the end of his life. With what? According to the Ibn Ezra, he was blessed with Bakal, with everything. The Ibn Ezra says that Bakal is long life, wealth and honor, and children. So he has four categories there. Honor is not included in those ones. But of those four children, long life, honor, wealth, of those, three of those are said, specifically in the Gemara, Amar Rava, Rava says, Bane, children, Chaye, long life, Umizone, and wealth, Lo b'schusatayya milsa do not are not reliant on how righteous you are. Ella b'mazala talya they they are 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 reckoned according to your mazel. Okay, so it seems like a little bit of a contradiction over here. Like was Avram blessed by these things by God because he was very righteous? But the Gemara says that it doesn't go by righteousness for these items. So what we're going to really try to unpack today is the concept of mazel. What does mazel mean? How does mazel work? And are there any workarounds? Can I get a loophole? Can I get a what, what? Can I get a loophole? Yes, okay, fine, here we go. Ah, okay. We're going to go through a bunch of sources first. Rav Hanina Bar Papa says something fascinating. In the Talmud, in Tractate Nida, page Tess Zion and Bays, Babylonian Talmud, Tractate Nida, 16 B. Darash Rav Hanina Bar Papa. By the way, and also, the ideas that I'm sharing today comes from the Akedas Yitzchak, however, brought down and elucidated by the incredible Rabbi Lopiansky. Uh, Rabbi Lopiansky is the Rosh Hashiva of the Yeshiva in Spring Valley, and um, he is uh, an incredible, incredible Rav. And he put together a Sefer called Yesode HaTorah, Rav Aaron Lopiansky, and he put together a, a Sefer called Yesode HaTorah, which is amazing, and for all the parshas, it just brings down fundamental words, almost all from the Rishonim, the earlier commentators, a few from the Achronim. Okay. So Rav Hanina Bar Papa says in the Gemara in Tractate Nida, there's a certain malach, a certain angel, who's in charge of pregnancy. And his name is Lila, which means 
night. Okay? Now, that angel says the Gemara, Notel Tipa Uma Baruchu. He takes, when it's time for a pregnancy, he takes a drop of semen and brings it in front of a Kadosh Baruchu. The Omer Lefanov and he says, Ribona Shalolam, Tipazu Matehealeha. What shall be the result of this child that will come out of this drop of seed? Gibor Ochalash, will he be very powerful? Will he be a physically very powerful man? Or will he be a person with a weak constitution? Right? There are certain people who are just born frail, weakly, always getting ill, and there are certain people who are just born robust. Ruddy, never get sick a day in their lives. You, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? We all know different people, right? Is he going to be a powerful person or a weak person? Ashir O'Ani. Will he be a rich person or will he be a poor person? However, he says, Chacham Otipesh. Will he be a wise person? Will he have an IQ of 170? Otipesh. Or will he have an IQ of 80? However, continues the Gemara, He never, that, that, that angel does not say to God, what will be the result of this seed? Will it be a Russia, a, 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 a wicked person, or a tzaddik? Kidrav Chanina, like the teaching of Rav Chanina, of Chanina, like Rav Chanina famously taught, all is in the hands of heaven, except for the fear of heaven. The fear of heaven is your moral choices, your, your, your moral determination, whether you're going to do the right thing or the wrong thing. That is not in the hands of God. That is the free will that God gives to you. Okay? So therefore, the person, the, the, the Malach will ask all the different attributes of this seed that he's about to go and make into a pregnancy, because there's an angel. Now remember, by the way, just for the record, when we talk about angels, we're talking about spiritual forces in the world, right? I don't, let's not, I mean, let's not imagine that there's an angel literally flapping its wings and hurrying to go up from the, from the house where someone's about, you know, about to become pregnant, and he's flapping his wings, and he comes up to, to God out of breath. God, here, quickly, I've got to bring it back down. Rich, poor, smart, Foolish? Uh, strong, strong or weak? And you know, God's like giving it eyes, like, wait, wait, I forgot to ask you. Um, you know, whatever. Like, so, no, it, it's spiritual forces, spiritual energies, right? There's a a a, a spiritual force. A, a an angel is a, is a spiritual force from God, and it's in charge of pregnancy, and it, it basically goes to God over every pregnancy that's about to happen, and kind of gets the. The, the down low of what this person's life is going to be like. Okay? And, of course, he gets all the details, strong or weak, smart or, or, or struggling, and, um, you know, tall or short. Will his hair start to, um, you know, fall out at the age of 30, or will he have a full head of hair all the way through, and so on and so forth. And, by the way, amazingly, scientifically, that's what DNA is. Right, what's DNA? DNA is a set of miraculous, insane instructions that contains a lot of that stuff. A lot of that stuff is in your DNA, right? Whether you're going to be tall or, or, or short, whether you're going to be, have a strong physical constitution and immune system, or you're going to be frail and fighting off illness your whole life, whether you're going to lose your hair early or late, well, there's no wealth or poverty in your, in your DNA. But, and DNA is quite the miracle. Quite the miracle, right? If all you got to do, please do me a favor. If you don't believe that DNA is a miracle, just spend some time reading up on it. Spend some time reading up about how you have basically three feet of double helixes squashed into a tiny, tiny, tiny microscopic dot, which is your nucleolus. And how those things, not only do they have... Each one of them have many, many thousands and tens. Each one of those 23 towers has many tens of thousands of genes. But they also have, um, they read, a, it's like, they don't just, it's like, it's, like a, it's like a crossword puzzle. The amazing thing, I don't know if you know this about your DNA, but your DNA is folded over itself many, many times. And obviously it's so, so tiny because you've got to fit three feet of it, right, into this tiny, tiny, tiny little microscopic dot, you know, but on top of that, it actually reads not just like this, it also reads up and down because it folds over itself in very specific ways. And the, the DNA is insanely miraculous. It's straight from God. Now, what it does not include in there is whether you're a tzaddik or a rasha. Okay. 
And we, we see similar statements like this as well. There's another Gemara in Sota, in Tractate Sota, page 2, right? Um, folio 2, side 2, Sota, Bez, Amad Bez. It says like this, Abraham Yom Kodem Yitzirus Avlad, 40 days before a child is born, a voice comes out from heaven and says, This person, Bas Ploni Leploni, this person's Bashert is going to be this person. This house is going to be the house they're going to end up living in. This field is the field that they're going to own. Now, fascinatingly, by the way, it says field. In the olden days, 80 to 90% of people were involved in agriculture. And your most important thing was the field that you worked in. Today, fascinatingly, when you talk about different occupations, you say, what field do you work in? Right? So today, I, I believe that when the, the voice comes out from heaven and says what house you're going to live in and who your basharit is going to be, and it says what field it's going to be, I believe that today it's not referring to a field that I'm going to be working in, you know, like in, 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 in tilling and harvesting and reaping because most of us don't work in any fields our entire life. But it's saying, what occupation? Are you going to be a teacher? Are you going to be a firefighter? Are you going to be a, a, uh, an accountant? Are you going to be a plastics manufacturer like so many of us? Okay, so that's kind of what goes on over there. And that also is an indication saying that your life is pretty locked in by the time you're born. Okay, but it gets even more. Now, so we've got a lot locked in before we're born already. But let's get more specific. Let's get a little bit more granular. Let's get more to what we call mazel. What is the concept of mazel? The concept of mazel is like this. God is awesome. And he's got... He's omnipotent. He can do whatever he wants. But he also is hyper non-physical. Hyper, hyper non-physical. You cannot touch God. You cannot smell God. You cannot see God. You cannot hear God. You cannot taste God. He is hyper non-physical. As a matter of fact, one of our absolute animamins, one of our absolute statements of faith is that we have to believe that there is no physicality to God. But amazingly, this incredibly non-physical being somehow creates a world that's filled with physical stuff. Trees, flowers, video cameras, coffee, wine, um, armadillos, Shangalulus. You guys know what a Shangalulu is? It's a very, very big and long centipede native to South Africa. Right? Really cool. Shangalulu. Okay? All kinds of things. There's all kinds of creatures. There's many, many millions of species out there. And aquatic species. And, and, and land species. And insects. I mean, it's amazing. How great are your works, Hashem? Everything you made is with such brilliance. How many species of flora and fauna? How many species of trees? How many species of flowers? How many species of predatory flowers that eat protein? It's amazing. It's amazing, right? Most flowers just eat sunlight. But there are some that say, I want to eat some bugs too. They were bothering me. They just close on them, Venus flytraps and mud pots and all kinds of things like that. There's so much amazingness in the world. And then all over the world. Do you know that every single, it's like every minute, the sun consumes like 600 billion tons of matter and turns it into blazing heat and light and plasma so you can get your sunlight when you wake up in the morning. There's craziness going on out there. Craziness. So how do you get from this incredibly non-physical being all the stuff, the wheat and the soybeans and the steers and the lamb and the trees and the sequoias and the date palms, how do you get there? So God sets up the mazalos. The mazalos are heavenly bodies, heavenly constellations. And those heavenly constellations pour down different mixtures of energy into the world. So imagine, imagine when we talk about different mazalos, it's like we're talking about different colors. Okay. So for example... People can be born under a particular mazel. Let's say, for example, you're born under the mazel of Ma'adim. Ma'adim is Mars. Okay, so there's different there are different celestial bodies that have different times and different powers in the heavens. Okay, if you're born under the Gemara says, by the way, this is not, this is not me saying this. This is the Gemara that says that if 
you're born under the mazel of Ma'adim, if you're born under the mazel of Mars, you're going to be a blood spiller, okay? You're going to be a blood spiller because that mazel is red, right? You're going to be an angry person, easy to, easy, easy to anger. I see red, ah! right? Because you were born under a mazel. Let's imagine its color is mostly red. So your painting, the painting that created you, and by the way, there's, there's ascending mazels and there's descending mazels, right? There's all, as a matter of fact, just like last week, we were talking about this stuff in the Dafyomi just this past couple weeks, like week and a half. We've been talking about this concept of like different mazels in the heaven and some are ascending and some are descending at the same times. Different ones, different ones have different powers at different times of the day. So the way God sets up the world is God's like, I'm super non-physical, but I want you to all have a lot of physical stuff. So I'm going to send it down through all these sort of channels to the world. And those channels are going to have different Call it colors. And based on what the final color of your exact channel, when you're born, for example, when you are born, now we don't exactly know, even those who know astronomy and astrology, and back in the day, by the way, people really understood it way better than we understand it today. Right? When people ask, do Jews believe in astrology? So the answer is yes and no. I.e., yes, we believe there's something to it. We believe there's something to it we don't believe you're locked into it, but we believe there's something to it. Now, of course, when you open up your newspaper and it says, Scorpios today will find an experience that surprises and might even delight them. Okay, I'm a Scorpio, right? So does that mean that today I'm going to have an experience that surprises and might even delight me? I would say that's probably true for 99.9% of days, right? So on one hand, that's like obviously gibberish. I can tell you also though, that we one time, we were in, in, in England on a trip with partners, and we met with a rabbi who was like a, this brilliant rabbi who understood like what mazels are what. And we like took turns. He, he, he gave us a speech, and we were like enthralled. He ended up coming back to the hotel that we were staying in, and he kind of stayed in the lobby, and people sat down and met with him. And he would tell you, he was just telling everybody like crazy stuff about them based on when their mazel was. Like he really understood the mazelos. It was wild, wild evening. So basically the way it works is that again, Hashem being super non-physical, wanting to send down all sorts of physical stuff and physical energies into the world uses a complex system of tubes, like pneumatic tubes. But each one of those tubes has its own color and its own attitude and perspective. And depending what your makeup is, how much percentage you you got from this tube and what you got from that tube will depend on whether you are strong or weak, rich or poor, wise or struggling in the wisdom department. So there's something real to that. When we wish parents mazel tov, what we're saying is we're giving you a blessing that your child should have been under and should always be under the right combination of pneumatic tubes and the blessing that comes raining down on his head is of the good kind. When a couple gets married, ah, it should be with mazel tov. It should be with good mazel. It should be with good flow. The word mazel comes from the word yizal. Yizal means to flow. So again, it means that this couple should always be walking under the proper... Their marriage should have started out under just a great pop, great, great combination of mazel tubes. And all the pneumatic tubes coming down that day were like positive energies and good and kind and wealthy and successful and medically strong. Because the Gemara is telling us that Hashem set up these rules and these rules do govern the world. And there is something real to astrology. And that's why we say to people, Mazel Tov. And of course, You probably know people who have good mazel, and you probably know people who are what we call a shlomazel. (laughs) Right? A a person who has good mazel, there are people who just life seems to work out okay for them. Unfortunately, I was just at a uh, shiva home, and they were talking about somebody who life just seemed to shine on. And they were giving me all these different examples. And life really, you know, Baruch Hashem, you know, he was the kind of person who really just had a, had a lot of blessing in his life. Like almost a little bit of a Midas touch. And then unfortunately he passed away. 
I'm, now, by the way, I'm sure he had his own moral struggles. That's that was my message to the family. Like, I'm sure he had a lot of blessing from God, and that's beautiful. But you know, I'm sure he also had his own struggles because we all get struggles. No one is born without moral struggles. Because remember, that's what the, the 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 statement we just read over here from the Gemara and Nida said. Sorry, the yeah, the Gemara Nida was that the one thing they don't say is, are you going to be righteous or wicked? That you've got to work through. So I'm sure even the people who life seems to just smile on and they just they, they make money and they're successful and they're kind and they're just gracious and everything seems to work out. They, they marry good people and they have good business partnerships. Everything seems to go so well for them. They just seem to be the golden boy. But they obviously have their own moral struggles and everybody has that. Do not ever believe that anybody's skating through life. Nobody gets to skate through life. Everybody has moral struggles. Now, many people have a lot more than moral struggles, but everyone's got that. And of course, the person I was talking about, who again, life did uh, shine on him. He was a very, very popular person and he was very successful. A lot of things, but he also passed away at a, at a very, very young age, super young age. Just like, boom, no illness, no nothing, just unfortunately passed away. So there are many, the mazel controls a lot. And we say that a person should have mazel tov. They should always they should be under the good flow. They should be under the right pneumatic tubes. The energies coming to God from them should be filtered through tubes that are just always happy, calm, beautiful. Okay? So the Gemara itself talks about, it actually, the Gemara there doesn't only talk about um, um, the Mars. It, it does say that if you are from the, uh, the if, if you are born under the mazel of Mars, that you are going to have, you're going to, you're going to be like a, you're going to be a blood hungry kind of person. But it says a few other things. It says like, um, if you're born under the, the mazel of Tzedek, which is Saturn, he will be Yehei Gever Tzad Khan. You're going to be a person who's like, who's looking to always like find justice. You always want things to go just right. And it goes through the various, uh, Venus and, 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 and Saturn and Jupiter. It goes through the various, uh, planets. And talks about what people's personalities are going to be based on where they were born. Okay. Now, so, so far so good, right? We're getting a little feel for what Mazel is. The problem is, number one, a lot of times some of those details are going to have an effect on your ability to be a tzaddik. Okay? For example, it says, the, the Gemara says, the Mishnah says in, in, in Pirkei Avos, Ein bor yirechet. A person who's an ignoramus cannot be fearing of God. Velo am ha'aretz chasid. And not a person who's an unlearned man can become a righteous person. Now, obviously wealth does not make a person righteous in any way, shape, or form. That's for sure not. However, often, if a person is beset by financial difficulties, they have a very hard time spending the time to be able to invest in their own spirituality. Right? So many times when there's financial struggles in a home, it almost like it clouds over everything and it colors everything. And it's so hard to be working on yourself. The is the furthermore. There's it actually says something interesting. Um, there's there's I, I got to find the source. Hold on a second. Yeah, in the Gemara and Shabbos, it says that Nivua only rests upon somebody who's a chacham, a wise man, Gibar a strong man, the usher, and a rich man. <laughs> Which sounds very shocking, because those were the things exactly that it said that the angel in heaven was going up to ask God. Will he be wise or struggling? Will he be rich or poor? And will he be strong or weak? So on one hand, we said that's part of the mazel things. It doesn't say righteous or wicked, but it says rich or poor, strong or weak, and, and um, wise or struggling. And those are literally, the, the, the Gemara tells us in Shabbos that the Shekhinah is only Shorah, the Shekhinah only rests on a person who is wise, powerful, 
and rich. So how do you how do you want me to be able to how do you say that your righteousness and not righteousness is dependent on you alone, but everything else is mazel? One of the most important things that God should rest upon you depends on the things that were specifically predetermined before you were born. Furthermore, there's a fascinating Gemara, by the way. The fascinating Gemara says like this. There was two rabbis. One's name was Rabbah and one's name was Rav Chizda. They were both very righteous people. Okay? The Gemara says, Rabbah and Rav Chizda tarvahu Rabbanan Sadiki havu. Rabbah and Rav Chizda were both Rabbanim who were righteous people. Mar Matzli v'asi Mitram, one of them would daven, start raining right away. Umar Matzli v'asi Mitra, and the other one would daven, and guess what? The rain would come, right? Because they were both righteous. They were both able to ask favors of God, and God would hook them up, because they were both very righteous people. However, Rav Chizda, Nahama the Smida Lakalbi Vilomidbai, Rav Chizda was so rich that he would serve his dogs food made out of the finest flour, and they would be like, I don't want this stuff. <laughs> Fine flour cakes. Give me some meat. I want some Wagyu beef for me, says the animals in Rav Chizda's household. Um, and again, if he had a dog, it's not common to read that a rabbi had a dog. I don't know what the exact story was. Maybe he, was, he had, maybe had lots of flocks and his dogs were there to keep away the wolves, whatever it was. Um, anyway, but the bottom line is, even when they would try to feed the, his, the dogs in his household or the animals in his household, the finest flour cakes, they, were like, they weren't interested. They're like, give me the good stuff. Wagyu beef. Rav, Rav, that was Rav Chizda. On the other hand, Rabbah, who was in the same generation, and the same kind of tzaddik, he was so poor that he couldn't even afford to give his family barley bread. In those days, barley was like the poor person's bread. The rich people would eat wheat, and the barley was mostly used for Michael Behema, it was mostly used for animal food. So Rav Chizda couldn't afford that. Furthermore, um, yeah, so bottom line is, and the Gemara explains, because it wasn't that one was better and one was worse. One had a better mazel than the other. Rav Chizda was born under a wealthy mazel, and Rabbah was born under a not good mazel. So how do, we, how do we reconcile all these things? Mazel, on one hand, seems to play a massive role in our lives. And if it really does control so much of our physical life, to a certain degree, it's going to control our spiritual life too. Because, like it says, in order for you to have the Shekhinah, come and talk to you and give you prophecy, you needed things that are, are up to mazel, i.e. wealth, strength, and wisdom. Okay, so how do we understand this? So, what we need to understand is as follows. Everyone recognizes that there is power to the forces of mazel and heavenly um, flow. However, and this is the real important however, a human being always has the power to overcome these things with his free will, number one. Number one, a person always has free will. Right? And with that free will, he can either A, like just destroy his mazel, or he can do things that will cause that his mazel won't affect him the same way. So again, we have mazel that controls us, but you have a controller that is stronger than mazel. And you are able to overcome your mazel and either weaken it or destroy it. If your whole life you've been a shlamazel, you can get to a place of mazel. Okay? So for example, let's go through an example. We said before, if you're born under the mazel of Mars, you're going to be a you're going to you're going to want blood. So the Gemara itself says, here's a couple of options that you could have. You could become a murderer, become a killer, become a violent criminal thug, become an enforcer for the mob, walk around making sure that people pay their loan shark deaths to the mob. If not, you bash them in the face, break a couple bones. And there are people out there who just enjoy that kind of stuff. They were probably born under the mazel of Mars. And just ever since they were a kid, they've just been cruel. 
They just like to pick on other people. Back from the smallest age, when they were in elementary school, they were already the bully, pounding other kids' faces into the ground, and so on and so forth. And now as an adult, they're still a bully. That's one option. You can also be a butcher! Right? I went to a slaughterhouse for the first time and actually saw... I mean, I've seen them slaughtering chickens before. But um, this past Pesach, I went and on Cholamoid, the day before the last day of Pesach, uh, we went to a halal slaughterhouse. I was in, I was in, uh, in Orlando, and the mashkiach of the program, Rabbi Tzvi Holland, an amazing, amazing, amazing rabbi, mashkiach for the Star K, he and I went... Uh, with his family and another another Yid, we went to a halal like slaughterhouse, which was like it was like an Arab guy who owned the halal slaughterhouse, and we chose for ourselves a choice chad gadya, a little chad gadya, and um, and and he shafted it <laughs> right there. He slaughtered it. Now you have to remember, I I learned chulin. And in Hulin, you learn all about this. There's a special tractate in the Talmud that talks about what makes an animal kosher, what makes it treif, and all the different details of slaughtering and the checking of the animal after you slaughter to make sure there was nothing in their body that would have otherwise caused them to die. And as, a, as a matter of fact, when we chose the, the little sheep that we were going to take and, and slaughter, we actually chose a, a relatively younger one because the longer a sheep is out there in the field, the more likely it is to, by mistake, ingest a screw or some kind of, a nail or some kind of thing on the floor, and then it punctures a hole in their intestines or in their lungs or whatever it is. It was a fascinating experience, absolutely fascinating. And he, and, and 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 as we as he walked through the process, Rabbi Holland, as he walked through the process of doing the slaughter, which was of course super quick. You know, it's it's, it's amazing to watch how fast it is and how painless for the animal. But then to be able to also then walk through the different process of showing what is, I, I literally, I saw him first take out the lungs and check the lungs and take out this and take out, the, like going through all the processes. And then we had to salt the meat. He has to remove certain kinds of fats that are not kosher fats. They're called chalev. And then you have to remove different kinds of um, veins and open up veins and drain veins and the salting. It was really, really a fascinating experience. But I'll tell you this much. I was not born under the, ma- the mazel of Mars because... I don't like seeing blood. I mean, I'm not running away. I don't get, you know, some people see blood and they faint. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, not, I'm not like that, but like, I would not want to be a butcher, right? It's, it's, not, it's not my thing. I don't want to be around blood and slaughtering and dead meat and all that. But there are some people, they like that. They like being around the red meat, you know? So maybe they were born under the mazel of Mars. So you could do that. Or guess what, says the Gemara? You could also become a, a mohel, Right? And you're, you, you'll circumcise children. There's blood right there. You can become a doctor, right? You can, you can become a surgeon. There's a lot of different things that you could do if you're born with the bloodlust, so to speak. So again, you could either become a, a, a murderer, killer, violent thug. You could become a surgeon. You could become a shochet. Or you could become even, you know, a, a bris milah. So some of them is taking your mazel's energies and just like lessening them. They shouldn't be a negative effect. You just become a shochet or whatever. And some are actually like turning into a very holy and spiritual thing where you become a moel. And you use it to bring children into the covenant of God, which is an amazing thing. So there is, there is a, a certain effect to what you do with your mazel. Now, by the way, Rabbah himself, who was the person who we just we just read about, who was very very poor, he himself said that he was born under the mazel of Mars, and so was guess what, David Melech, King David, and that's why he became an amazing warrior and he fought battles and he he conquered Eretz Yisrael and, and kingdoms, he beat Goliath, Goliath, he was born under the right mazel for that. Now, of course, he wasn't, that wasn't the right mazel to build the base of Mikdash because he was too much blood on his hands and he wasn't allowed to build the base of Mikdash. But he was really good at fighting battles for the Jewish people and beating back our oppressors. Now, by the way, so Rabbah, as a, ra- as a rabbi, so Rabbah said, I was born under the mazel of Mars. And he said, his friend Abiah says to him, it makes sense because you are on the court over here. And in those days, the court would sometimes administer lashes and, and punishments. So this is, this is, we see that you can take your mazel and use it in ways that won't hurt you. That will use it to the benefit of yourself or sometimes to the benefit of mankind. Now, but there's, but there's even more than that. 
There's a level where you can just get above your mazel altogether and destroy your mazel. Whatever your mazel had in store for you, you could blow it away. I'll tell you why. Remember, what do we say? There's three things that are in the hands of mazel. Bane, chaye, mezone. Children, life, and sustenance. There's also a Gemara, though, that says... And where's this Gemara? Hold on a second. The Gemara in Tainus, Daf Beis Amid Aleph, the first page, the first folio of Tainus. We always start with page two, right? No one's ever beginning from the real beginning of knowledge. We all start with something. And the Gemara in Tainus says there were three keys that Hashem did not give over to the hands of a shaliach, of a messenger. And what are those? Chaya, Banim, and Parnasa. Again, the exact same three things. Children, life, and Parnasa. Which means that at the end of the day, God holds those keys, and you can come to God, and if you do, you can overturn your mazel. For example, Avraham. Avram and Sarah. Sarah was not able to have children. Neither was Avraham. Avram was looking at heavens and saying, look, I'm very good at understanding the constellations. I know how to read the flow signals. right? I know how to read the flow. And the flow is, I cannot give birth to children. And my, with Sarah, my wife. And Hashem said, come here. Hashem took him outside and he said, look at the heavens and get above the stars. Stop looking at the stars. Stop looking at the daily you know, astrology in your paper. And then say, oh wow, today I'm a Scorpio and it said something has to happen to me that's going to be bad. Oh no, something's going to be bad happening to me today. Get out of your astrology, Hashem says. You're a yid, you're my child. You have the ability to get a hold. At the end of the day, those three things that are in the hands of Mazel, right? milsa. The three things that we said, children, life, and wealth, which are not dependent on your zuchus, but are dependent on your mazel, those three things, Hashem says, I never let go of the keys, I still have the keys. Come to me, and I'll get you out of there. You're not supposed to have a child with Sarah. The stars say that. Guess what? I'm still holding that key. Come to me, and you can get above that key. Come to me, and you can get around this. Now, of course, you're saying, if that's the case, why was Rabbah so poor? Right? Rabbah was so poor. We said, Rav Chizda and Rabbah, Rav Chizda would have the finest flour for his animals in his, in his, in his, in his household. And they're like, Pfft. and Rabbah couldn't even get barley for his, for, his, uh, for his household. He couldn't even get barley to feed them. They were so hungry. The answer is, I don't know what Rabbah's mazel was. It was probably way worse in the beginning. <laughs> and because he was such a great rabbi, he was able to at least get something and stay alive. There are people out there in those days, people died of starvation all the time. He was able to keep his family alive. Baruch Hashem. So the bottom line is, what we learn from this, this parsha is, we learn, when it says Hashem blessed Avram Bakal. Hashem blessed Avram with everything. And we said everything, what was the three things that Hashem blessed, sorry, the four things that the Ibn Ezra said Hashem blessed Avram with was children, which of course at the end of his life he had an additional six children. Besides Yishmael and Yitzchak, he had six more children with Keturah. Hashem gave him children, Hashem gave him wealth, Hashem gave him honor, and Hashem gave him long days. Right? Those are the things that may be, yes, they're tied to mazel. But we are not tied to mazel. Wealth and wisdom, length of life, strength, these things are tied to mazel. But we're not tied to mazel. We're tied to God. And the more we tie ourselves to God, the more we can get above and beyond whatever limitations we have based on our mazel. So we have this incredible koach, we have this incredible energy and strength, Baruch Hashem, that is part of who we are. Most of the world is controlled by mazel, and indeed we are controlled by mazel too, as the default and that's why we say Mazel Tov. We wish people Mazel Tov, that they should be under the right flow. They should be under the right pneumatic tubes. We wish people Mazel Tov because great people also are under the flow. However, we, especially Ein Mazel Yisrael, especially the Jewish people, 
Because God at the end of the day holds the keys for the same things that Mazel holds the keys for. We have a workaround. We have a loophole. Go to God directly. Develop your relationship with Him. And you can actually turn around your Mazel. I want to tell you an amazing story about somebody who turned around his Mazel. This is a wild, wild, wild story. Okay? And this is Mamish an example of somebody who turned around his Mazel. What's the story? So like this. There was a great rabbi who's known as the Chemdas Shlomo, okay? He was a, uh, he was a, a, I think it was the Chemdas Shlomo. Mm. No, maybe it's not. Okay. I'll tell you the story about the rabbi, and I can't remember who the rabbi is. I, th- I thought it was the Chemda Shlomo, but... Um, anyway, I think one of the things that has to do with mazels is, is ability to remember things, and I was under the, the wrong pneumatic tube when that was being handed out. <laughs> when, they were hand- when they were handing out with memory, I was busy running over to the other tube. You know what I'm saying? I was like, there was like, uh, anyway. All right. So, um, this great rabbi, he blossomed later in life, meaning early in his life, there are certain, certain rabbis that you say, like the Vilna Gon, by the time he was seven years old, he was already giving drushas in yeshiva. Like, they, they, say, they say this about the Vilna Gon, that when he was like seven years old, he was so brilliant that by the time he was seven years old, he was giving classes. But like, at one point, like, he was giving a class, and then like, something happened. Like, he ran outside to go play with his friends, and then he came back in to finish his class. Like, I mean, he was still a child. He was seven years old. But he was so brilliant, he was ready, ready to give a class. So there are definitely rabbis who we have these kind of stories, like these amazing stories about how they were so brilliant. But, but you have many rabbis who are not like that. And one of them was this rabbi, who we're going to call Rabbi X right now. And Rabbi X um, was actually, unfortunately, he, he was not blessed with a very high IQ. And he struggled mightily. He just couldn't understand Torah. He would sit in yeshiva, and there would be a shear, and the rabbi would give the shear, and everyone would listen, they would go over it afterwards, they would go home. He would still be sitting there for the next two hours trying to make heads and tails of it. He had taken notes, and he just couldn't figure it out. And he wanted so badly to be a Torah scholar, but he just was not a chacham. Remember, one of the questions they ask when a person's born, that, that, that angel that's in charge of, wisdom, of pregnancy, who's called Lila, one of the questions they ask, is this person going to be a smart person or not? And this great rabbi was just simply not a smart person. And it bothered him so... No, I think it's the Cheshek Shlomo. Let me check. Maybe it's the Cheshek Shlomo. I thought it was the Chemda Shlomo, but let me see if it was the Cheshek Shlomo. But anyway... Um, maybe not. Okay, no. <laughs> so, this great rabbi just didn't have the ability. And then... Later, he ended up writing books, Sfarim, that not only were considered to be from the most brilliant books of his time, but they showed an incredible depth. And this rabbi was a Sephardic rabbi. He was in the Sephardic world. And these rabbis I'm looking up like lived in Vilna or whatever, so it's not the right ones. Anyway, but this rabbi, and he, he wrote these books that are like, they just show an incredible, A, brilliance, but also there's like a brilliance where your, your knowledge goes so deep, but also... A breath of knowledge. He knows like everything. Everything. He's quoting everything in his farm. Like as if he just knows everything like this. So someone asked him like, what's your story? Like I remember you when we were in yeshiva together. And you were a young man. And you know, you were like five years married already. And I was in yeshiva with you. And you you just, (laughs) no one came to you to ask any questions. No one came to you to say, hey, can you explain what we learned today in Shir? You just, you weren't that guy. And now you've written these books. They're brilliant. She said, let me tell you a story. Listen to this incredible story. He said, there was a, a really bad man in town who had a fight with the rabbi of my yeshiva. And he wanted to discredit, he wanted to discredit the rabbi. So there was an, an Arab woman who used to work in, this, in, in our yeshiva. She would clean, she would you know, do the mopping, the cleaning, whatever it was. And this guy hired this woman to one day walk into the yeshiva when there was only one person there, because there should be no witnesses, and then come screaming, running out of the building, saying that, that she was assaulted by this man. 
and just he didn't care which one, as long as it was just, just one person in the building. He wanted to discredit the entire yeshiva by making one person look really, really, really bad there. Sure enough, this rabbi was sitting late after everyone had already left. He was still sitting there trying to write down the notes and trying to understand the shear. And there's this Arab you know, woman, she starts screaming, Save me! Save me! And she goes running out. And she starts screaming and screeching. And of course, a whole crowd comes. A woman screaming, save me, save me. And a whole crowd gathers around. And she points. She's like, I was in that yeshiva. I was trying to clean there. And this young man, he assaulted me. Da-da-da. And people come running into the yeshiva and they grab him. And it is obviously just incredibly, incredibly embarrassing. Unimaginably so. He goes home to his wife. And his wife knows that he didn't do anything. But it's just like... The whole town is talking about it. And he's, 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 he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I never did anything. But who are people going to believe, right? Who are people going to believe? So it got so bad that he had to leave town. It got so bad. Everywhere he goes, people are looking at That's the guy. That's the guy who assaulted that woman. It got so bad. He mamish had to pick up and leave town. So he did. In those days, leaving town was not like today. Today you call two guys in a truck. They come. They put all your stuff in the truck. And they just move it or whatever. In those days, it was like it was a real deal, you know? And he moves to a different town many, many miles away, and it was very difficult for him. His whole family, his children were embarrassed. It was just, it was a terrible, terrible thing. He's living in his new town for a few months, and there's a knock at the door. He opens the door, and who's there? The woman. And he's looking at her like, What are you doing here? Why, why, are, you, why are you following me? What did I ever do to you? Leave me alone! Leave me alone! Get away! Get away! She says, no, 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 please, I'm begging you. She says, look. She says, the reason why I did that, I'm so, so sorry that I did it to you. And I, didn't ha- I didn't have anything against you. It wasn't like I was doing it against you. But I was paid by this guy, Mr. Mr. Goldstein, we'll call him. He paid me. He wanted to discredit the, discredit the yeshiva, and he paid me. But after that, the Rosh Hashiva knew that you were innocent. Because he knew you, and he knew that you were innocent, and he knew that I was lying, and he fired me. And this guy, what did he pay me? He paid me two months' wage, and now I've got nothing. The Yeshiva won't hire me back. People don't want to hire me. And, 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 I, and this guy's money ran out, and I, I'm starving now. My family's starving. Can you please write a letter to your rabbi? telling the whole story, and then I'll come back to town and I'll tell everybody that Mr. Goldstein hired me. Now listen to this amazing story. Here is an opportunity for total vindication. A man who was so embarrassed and so humiliated him and his family had to flee his hometown. Now he can come right back and this lady's going to say it was Mr. Goldstein and everybody will know that he was innocent. It's the ultimate opportunity for redemption. And he says, look, he says, no. He says, I don't want you to go back there and do that because it's going to make a huge chil Hashem. It's going to make a huge desecration of God's name. There was already enough desecration of God's name when everyone thought that I, a young kolo guy, a young study, you know, Talmud study, or a young yeshiva student did something so terrible that made the Jews look bad enough in town. If you come back now and tell everybody that Mr. Goldstein paid you to lie, now it's going to make him look so bad, and everyone's going to look bad at the Jews again. I don't want that to happen anymore. So I will write you a letter asking the, the rabbi of my yeshiva to give you the job back and explain that you're sorry and say that I forgive you. But I don't want to go back, and I don't want Mr. Goldstein being dragged through the mud because ultimately Mr. Goldstein is a child of God. Mr. Goldstein is a Jew. And when Jews do bad things, it reflects poorly on all of us Jews and it reflects poorly on heaven. So... Thanks, but I'll, I'll give you the letter. I'll forgive you, but I don't want you to do that. Imagine the sacrifice that he did for God. Just to save God's name. That God's name shouldn't be dragged through the muck again. That one of his children, Mr. Goldstein, did something so horrible to hire somebody to frame another one of his brethren. He said, the day after that story happened, I came into yeshiva, and it was like my mind was just opened up Wherever there was darkness and density, wherever I couldn't understand in the past, and I would struggle to understand, and I would fight to understand, and it was so hard for me, and I couldn't learn, and I couldn't learn. It was just dark and dense and foggy. Now it was like the 
Everything was just blown open. The, the, the windows of heavenly wisdom were opened up. And I was able to understand and I was able to retain. And I just started gobbling up, vacuuming up Torah Hashem. And just ideas came to me and wisdom. It was amazing. And he wrote all these books, which to this very day are from the most amazing, brilliant, brilliant books. When his father's drop, when he was about to be impregnated, when he was about to become born, the Malach came to Hashem and said, this great rabbi, is he going to be wise or is he going to struggle? And God said, I'm sorry, he's going to struggle. But yet Hashem says, I hold on to the keys. I hold on to the keys. And because of what he did, because of his struggle, that he struggled for me, I'm going to break open the bonds of wisdom and just shower it upon him. Is there mazel? Absolutely. Are there people who are born under a good mazel and life flows easily for them? Yes. Are there people who are born under a bad mazel and they just can't seem to catch a break? Yes. Do we have an ability to get beyond that? Absolutely. The things that are the same things that are controlled by Mazel are controlled by Hashem too. And you get closer to Hashem and you sacrifice for Him and you connect with Him on the highest level. And Hashem blesses Avram at the end of his life, Bakal, with everything. Children, wealth, honor, and long life. The same things that are normally controlled by wisdom. Sorry, by, by, by Mazel. So we, may we all work as hard as we can to get closer to Hashem. The more we believe that we can control, that we can get above our mazel by connecting to Hashem, the more we connect to Hashem, the closer we get to Him, the closer we get to improving our mazel and making our life infinitely better. May God give us all the strength and the wisdom to do it, to fight the good fight, to get closer to Hashem, to build that relationship with Him, and then we get to be in His hands and no longer in the hands of the pneumatic tubes we call mazel. Thank you all so much for coming. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being awesome. I look forward to seeing you next week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.